What's up, my housewives and relatable listeners? It's your girl, Stella, coming to you once again to talk about it all. Hi, guys. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you all had a beautiful, beautiful Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas with your family. If you ate some turkey or prime rib or seafood, or whatever you like to eat on Christmas Eve and uh, the Christmas season. I hope everyone really had a good time. For my part, I am absolutely exhausted from the holidays, and it's still not over because we still have to do New Year's now. (laughs) But I'm faithful to you all, my listeners. I know some people are taking a little bit of a break, so there's no judgment here. However, I have to constantly find content so I can keep on showing up for you all. So recently, before we jump into what I'm about to do today, guys, I just want to explain a few things. Recently, Teresa had a a podcast with um, her co-host, Melissa Feaster, and um, I have to admit, that the last episode of that podcast, I I feel like Teresa has been way more open about herself in that podcast than ever before. You know, um, they were talking about a lot of things that had to do with Teresa's past, with her ex-husband, Joe. Um, Melissa even asked her some questions about Louis and the finances and, you know, how much did she know about that situation and all of that, you know. I thought that it was a very good discussion. I was not expecting it whatsoever. And I was surprised of how open Teresa was, you know, during that particular episode, which is kind of funny because... um. I was myself in the process of um, recapping her book, Standing Strong. So for those of you who do not know, um, I had never read any of Teresa's books, like books, books. Um, I did have all of her cookbooks from the past, you know, from the, what was the first one, Skinny Italian, and then Fabulous, Fast and Fit, and then Fabulicious. So I have all of the cookbooks. I just uh, never read any of her actual books, right? The reason for this is because I felt like, you know, what could be in the book that we don't really know um, from her being on the show? I didn't see necessarily value in doing that until recently, right? So um, I decided to, like, normally I'm more of, um, like, I like to read a book, like sit down and read a book, um, very visual that way. But um, recently, uh, I decided to just um, listen to the book because I'm busy. You know, I have things that I'm doing during the day. I'm a mom. I have things that I'm doing at work, just like everybody else. So, you know, uh, the idea of sitting around and reading a book was just not really conducive at this point in my lifestyle. So I was just thinking, you know what, maybe I should give the audio audiobook a chance a little bit. That way it can allow me to just keep on doing what I'm doing while I'm listening to what Teresa says or had to say back then, right? So um, I have to say that she, the one, she is the one who narrates her own book. 
And um, I have decided that I wanted to um, do a little recap of Standing Strong. And um, for those of you who have not read the book or were just like me and were just like not necessarily interested in purchasing the book or reading the book because they felt like they knew everything about what was going on on the show, right? So I'm definitely happy that I found that because um, I'm assuming that other people, that there are other people out there that have also not read this book and would like to know more about it. So I'm just going to review chapter one to five in this episode. And uh, next week, I will be doing chapter six to 11. And then I will be doing uh, the final parts of the book the following week after that. So I hope you all enjoy. In the first chapter of the book, Teresa talks about how beautiful and simple her life was with Joe and with her daughters. Joe had a stucco company and other turnkey businesses that were doing well. Teresa says that when she was approached to do the show, she asked Joe if all was good on the business front, to which Joe responded that it was. It took approximately 11 months for Teresa to accept to do housewives and sign her contract. In the early chapters of the book, Teresa talks a lot about how naive she was and how she believed everything was good with the finances. She also stated that had she had any indication that Joe was engaging in some illegal activities, she would have never done the show. She explained how she was involved in signing on two properties as her husband was using her credit to close on the houses. Teresa made it seem in her book like she had this blind trust with Joe. She trusted that he had everything under control. This is not in her book, but Teresa has said many times that she always knew that Joe Julius was a little bit of a bad boy. Recently, on her podcast, she said that Joe was always getting into trouble and getting arrested for a few days, and that his mother and Teresa's mother, who were friends, had to go post bail for him. Back to her book, Teresa talks about how Joe was constantly drunk and drinking his sorrows away, which was portrayed on the show. You can definitely feel the resentment and anger that Teresa had towards Joe while writing the book. She often said that she did not feel sorry for him, that he had put them in that mess, and therefore he had to deal with it and be strong. Although I also know that Joe and the rest of the world know that Joe messed up, um, and that we all knew that you know he didn't necessarily do things correctly, I have to admit that for me, it was a little bit surprising to see how angry Teresa was when she wrote the book, um, as she had very little empathy for how Joe felt at the time. And she definitely says that a lot in the book, 
like I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for him. So Teresa was already back home from prison while Joe was preparing to do his time. She said that during that time, Joe's friends and family were constantly at her house or taking Joe away to go to lunch because Joe was about to serve a lengthy sentence, 41 months, and people didn't know if he will ever return home as he was also facing deportation. She explains that during the three months that she was back, Joe was following her around like a little puppy dog, and he was trying to maximize his time with her. There's definitely this underlying tone in the book that Teresa had been feeling undervalued or unappreciated uh, as a wife by Joe. And, uh, you know, Joe was saying that he finally realized that Teresa was doing a lot for the family and Ter Teresa felt a little bit resentful and upset towards him for finally realizing that. In the final moments of that chapter, Teresa recounts their last day together as a family before Joe had to turn himself in. I have to admit that this part was far from what I thought it was and the little bit that was portrayed on the show. Teresa explained that she was expecting for their nuclear family to have their time with Joe, just herself and her daughters. But instead of having a private moment, moment Joe's entire family showed up and stayed for a very, very long time. Teresa felt disappointed and annoyed, and she really wanted a private moment with Joe and the girls. We get the feeling in the book that the dynamic between Teresa and Joe's family is a bit more tense than what was seen on the show. She says things like, there's no saying no to them. They just show up and stay for a very long time. She even said that her former mother-in-law has blamed her for her son's misfortune and said that if it was not for the show, her son would not be going to prison. There's definitely a sense of blame that is felt in the book, way more than what we have seen on the show. Other than Delcorga said at the reunion, something like when Teresa was like separating from Joe and he was trying to convince her to get a divorce as soon as possible, kind of made a little comment about Joe Judice's family and said, well, they don't like you anyway, or they blame you for everything anyways. And she said something like, I know, something like that. So that was maybe the only indication that I had at the time that things were maybe not as peachy as they seemed. But I digress and back to the book now. Teresa explains that she tried to communicate this to her husband, that she wished that she had this extra time with him and the girls without his family around, that his family should give them the space just like her family did when she went away to prison. But instead of getting her wish, the big party continued downstairs while Teresa stayed upstairs in her bedroom alone, and later on she was joined by her girls. 
she explains that one of the producers and by the way they were not working that day they were not filming but they were present so one of the producers i think her name was caroline came upstairs because she felt that something was wrong with this entire picture and um, she felt for Teresa and she showed Teresa a lot of compassion so Teresa basically poured her heart out to the producer and they kind of we kind of get the sense that you know, there's something wrong with all of this. Like Joe is downstairs having a good time with his family and his friends. He's drinking homemade wine. He's laughing while Teresa's upstairs crying herself um, to sleep, right? So eventually everyone left the house and the girls went to bed and um, Joe finally made his way to the bedroom. The kids were asleep. Teresa and Joe stayed up even longer. Obviously they wanted to spend every single minute or every single moment together, probably trying to um, extend their time together as much as possible. And they even consumed their love for the very last time that night before they both fell asleep. Teresa said that she cried all night that night. The fateful morning had finally arrived and Teresa was not planning on driving Joe to the prison. She makes the comparison that when she left to turn herself in, only her lawyer, Jim Leonard, drove her with her former FBI agent. Once again, Joe's family and friends showed up at the house. They drank three bottles of wine, a bottle of champagne, and a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. This was consumed in the morning as Joe had to report to prison for noon and had to leave the house by no later than 9.30 a.m. that same morning. Again, Teresa said that there is no privacy when it came to Joe's family. And she was again upset by that because everyone was in the kitchen and she didn't have five minutes alone with her husband on the day that he was supposed to report to jail. So she said that once again, you know, Joe was laughing and eating and drinking and cracking jokes. And um, he kept on saying that, you know, he was eating and drinking as if he was going to prison. I don't know if you guys recall, but there is this scene in the movie Goodfellas when the men are at the bar drinking and eating and laughing with Henry Hill while Karen is seen in the background crying away from them, looking completely devastated just before Henry Hill leaves the bar with Karen and says to the driver, now take me to prison, right? So that's, the, that's the kind of image that I have in my, in my head of that uh, moment between Teresa and Joe and the family. Teresa recounts that her brother, Joe, Gorda, came up to her because obviously he knows her. That's his sister. And he probably felt like something was a little off or a little wrong. And he asked her if she was okay. And Teresa responded that she felt numb by the whole thing. Eventually, the producers, who were not working that day, asked Jim, Teresa's lawyer, if they could enter the house 
to say their last goodbye to Joe Judice. The whole exchange was heartfelt as the crew felt close to them after all of these years of being in their home and filming their family. Joe made one last toast and the energy dropped in the room. Everyone got quiet. Only sniffles could be heard. Initially, it was only to be Joe's brother Pete, his cousin and uncle, to drive him to Fort Dix. But Joe's sister, Maria, wanted to drive him also. So, so Teresa made the last-minute decision to go with them and embarked in the car to drive off her husband to prison. They made a stop to a Burger King as Joe probably wanted to soak up all of the alcohol from the morning and enjoy one last meal as a free man. During that car ride, which was over just over two hours, Teresa and Joe did not talk much to each other, to which she said that in retrospect, she realized that Joe and her did not really communicate effectively in their marriage. They arrived at the facility and Joe gave his last goodbyes to his family, saving Teresa for last. She recounts that he hugged her, tighter than ever before, told her to take good care of the kids, and that he loved her very much and gave her one last kiss as a free man. At triage, Joe had to be held back, as his level of alcohol was too high. Teresa and the family drove back to North Jersey in silence, and Teresa just collapsed on her bed. That's when the reality of the situation really hit her. I'm not really scared of too many things, you know? Every day, you know, you live for the time that you're here. You can't predict what's gonna happen tomorrow. You can't even predict what's gonna happen in a few minutes. As far as uh, preparing yourself and mentally ready, nobody's really prepared and mentally ready to go in. But um, it's really happening, and I'm going in. In her book, Teresa explains that she harbors tremendous guilt Feeling that her legal situation took a toll on her parents, particularly her, mom, her mother. She reveals that during her time away, her mom's RA worsened, even though she maintained a strong front for Teresa and her daughters. Teresa recounts that her mom was on the prison, the prison approval list to visit Joe, but passed away before she could. So this became, her, this became her new normal, a life as a single parent without Joe and without her mom having to manage it all by herself. In chapter two to five of the book, Teresa talks about her life without Joe and new beginnings with her family. She admits that while her ex-husband, Joe Judice, was away, the situation helped improve her relationship with her brother, Joe Borga, and with her sister, Melissa, sister-in-law, Melissa. All those things are on the up and up between Teresa and with her family. She recounts that 
things are still a little bit tense between her brother and with George Rice. Teresa explained that her brother felt like Joe put her in the mess and that their parents felt the same way also, although they never really voiced it directly to Joe Rice. On the other end, as recounted earlier, Joe Dice's mother felt like Joe was in this mess because of Teresa. Teresa thinks that her mother-in-law's anger is misplaced and that she is delusional about her son's wrongdoing. But Teresa also feels like she may have felt that way too if she had a son. If she had had a son. <clears throat> she goes back a little bit in the book and retells the story of when she went to prison. Teresa admits in the book that her brother Joe came to visit her at Danbury. And my brother came to see me one time. And why? Why are you wrong? Yeah. He got paid for it. He didn't come any other time. And he got paid for it. One good thing that came from my time in prison was that it healed my relationship with my brother Joey and helped strengthen my relationship with my sister-in-law, Melissa. My mother and father both said there was nothing worse than witnessing their kids fighting the way we did. Madonna mia, do we fight? The day before I left for Danbury, Joey called me, and we really had it out. But eventually, time healed our wounds. He visited me while I was in prison, and when he came, it was as if we had never missed a beat. He was my baby brother all over again. Despite everything that we have been through, I loved him and he loved me. And um, when she was away and that um, Melissa also wanted to visit her and um, that she purposely kept her from seeing her, that Teresa did not want to see Melissa. Basically, her whole sentiment was that her sister-in-law should have been nicer to her when she was out and she still blamed Melissa for how she got on the show and all of the fighting with her family. So she was not willing to see her sister-in-law or to have her sister-in-law see her, come and see her in prison. So her lawyer, Jim Leonard, who also represents Joe and Melissa, and I know I've said that to my listeners in the past, um, Melissa and Joe actually introduced Jim to Teresa as he is a criminal attorney by profession. So anyways, Jim would come and visit Teresa often and talk to her and say, hey, are you getting, um, are you getting the approval from Melissa because she really wants to come and see you in prison? And then Teresa would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And Jim would be well, you know, it seems like you're working on it very, uh, very well, right? Like he would be like a little bit sarcastic about it. But nevertheless, Jim, Jim Leonard was very instrumental and he was constantly pushing Teresa to do the right thing and to forgive her family or to make peace with them. He was um, telling Teresa that it was important for her to try to mend with them before she got home. So Teresa admits that although she knew that Jim was saying all of the correct things, um, that she would have been stubborn and that she held a grudge. She just didn't want to see Melissa. 
So I guess Melissa never made it to see her while she was in prison. However, Teresa says that once she returned home, she decided to forgive her sister-in-law and that they had a good relationship, similar to what it used to be like before Melissa joined the show. She tells the importance to keep a united front for the children and admits that all sides have done a very poor job at showing the children how to treat their siblings and that she fears that the kids may follow in their footsteps, given the amount of fighting that was lived and documented throughout the years. She then talks about um, her, rela her relationship with Jacqueline Lolita and said that she was not really looking to rekindle a friendship with Jacqueline, as she felt hurt by Jacqueline. But since she was going to be uh, a castmate once again, she wanted to foster a peaceful work environment. She was willing to leave the past behind her. But she also says that she's not one to easily forgive. She recounts a time that she told Melissa, God forgives, I don't. To which Melissa thought it was crazy. She makes it clear that there are certain people and certain things that she will never forget or never forgive. And that one of those people is Jacqueline Lolita. She gives an overview of what went down during the time they were feuding and says that Jacqueline was malicious and stirred things up behind the scenes to intentionally hurt her and hurt her family. She calls Jacqueline a master of manipulation and blames Jacqueline for coming in between her and her family, which is a very different version of events she gave to Andy Cohen on the season 13 reunion. On a lighter note, she recounts a time that she had to shoot a commercial with Melissa Gorga at one of her best friend's house, Lisa Fortunato, on her birthday. This was Teresa's first birthday since, since she had come home from prison, and she kind of felt in a little bit of a funky mood since Joe was also in prison and that she would now be spending her birthday filming a commercial away from her family. It seems like everyone had forgotten her birthday, and no one made any mention of it. Melissa arrived on set with her glam squad and was in a cheery mood, which pissed Teresa off even more. Eventually, Joel Gorga arrived at the location. Teresa did not think anything of it as she thought that he was there to pick up his wife. But his kids were also there with him. Then she saw her daughters and her mother. That's when it became clear to her that no one had forgotten her birthday and that everyone was in on this beautiful surprise. They had a beautiful celebration for her special day. Joe Judice even organized for someone on the outside to send in some flowers and a card delivered to the party and even called that night during the celebration. It turned out to be such a beautiful day, after all. Teresa recalls a time when she took a trip to Italy with her family when she was 12 years old, and her brother was 10. 
they spent an entire month there and Joe Judice's parents were also present with Joe. Teresa admits that she always had a crush on Joe and vice versa. However, she mentions that during the trip, she ended up meeting two guys in Italy, one who was 18 years old and another one who was in his 20s. She had a bit of a crush on them and the feeling was mutual, leading her to kiss both guys during her vacation. It is worth noting that the age difference between Teresa and the man in his 20s raised some concern, particularly considering the potential implications of being alone with him. This event took place in the early 80s, but the age difference, in my opinion, remains significant, just from my personal standpoint. So Joe Julius ended up getting into a fight with one of the men during the trip. I just can't remember which one. Teresa recalls that one of the men even asked her parents for her hand in marriage, but her mother thought it was silly and promptly shut down the proposal. On a side note, Teresa's mother had met her father when she was 12 years old, and he was considerably older back then. Deported under the supervision of her family. Eventually, they had to cease their interactions as the family wanted him to state his intentions, either proposing or leaving Teresa's mom alone. Teresa's father wanted to marry her mother, but he refrained from doing so under the advice of his own father, who thought he was too young. It wasn't until Teresa's dad moved to America and when her mother was much older, that they reconnected, and he eventually brought her over. She then talked about something that she had already covered in her previous book, Turning the Tables, where she explained that her mother lost her mom when she was only 12 years old, and she never knew her father as he left to find work in Venezuela and never returned to Italy. Teresa expressed that she wishes she could find her maternal grandfather, as the rumor has it that he may have remarried and fathered more children that would, make, that would be Teresa's aunts and uncles. But Teresa's mom never wanted to find her father. However, Teresa is open to knowing that side of the family that she never knew. So join me next week as I will review chapter 6 to 11 of Standing Strong by Teresa Judice. I hope you have enjoyed this little recap of Standing Strong. This is the last episode of 2023, so I will wish you all a very happy new year 2024. Thank you so much for your support once again. Thank you for listening. And as always, as always, Thank you for being a fan and not fanatical. Ciao.